Welcome to Prodigal and the Priest and me, um, a podcast about faith, sports, and two friends from different cultures. I'm Joey Scansella, joined by my co-host, Father Paul Bechter. Father Paul, how you doing? I'm doing good. How you doing? I'm actually doing great. This is the first time in, well, I guess the second time, but today is July 16th. We film this the day before it comes out. Um, today is my ninth wedding anniversary and normally, thank you. And normally I'm in Laredo, Texas on our mission trip always. So I actually get to see my wife this year. So yay. Awesome. Um, so pandemic. Yeah. No, it took a pandemic. Oh, it it only took a pandemic to celebrate your wedding anniversary. Exactly. In person. So Nikki, if you're listening, I love you. Happy anniversary. And uh, today is Prodigal and the Priest and Me, where we talk about some questions that people have asked us about faith, sports, everything, just personal opinions. So mm. we have some very intriguing ones and good ones. So if you don't hear your question today, um, we'll definitely make sure to get to you at some point. Also, if you'd like to submit a question, you can hit up any of our social media accounts on Facebook, on um, we don't have a Twitter, but maybe one day um, uh, on Instagram or email us at um, prodigal and the priest at gmail.com or our website, which is stamparish.org slash PTP. So make sure to check us out. So we're going to start off with an easy one. Okay. Somebody emailed directly a question to you about one of your morning reflections, okay? So the question is, Father Paul, you mentioned in recent reflections that the writings of the minor prophets were written on one scroll. How, when, and by whom were these writings collected and written on this one scroll? Mm. So maybe a little bit of context, Father, for those who haven't um, listened maybe to all of your, um, you know, just the priest reflections and all of that, but you've been talking about the minor prophets, right? Sure. Yeah. So when I went back into quarantine for two weeks, I was like, well, let's go back to the, the reflections on the daily readings. And those, those two weeks, we happened to have Hosea, mm. sorry, Amos for the first week, Hosea for the second week. Okay. And those are two of what we call the minor prophets in the Bible. They're minor not because they're less important, but because their writings are shorter. It's like minor league baseball. Yeah, they're actually less important. <laughs> These guys got paid less, too. They were just <laughs> scraping by each day while Isaiah and Ezekiel and Jeremiah were just raking it in. Love it. Um, yeah, so there's 12 of them. Uh, for that reason, it's, it's called the Book of the Twelve. And although these were written over... Uh, many centuries, starting in the, the 8th century, mm-hmm. 9th century, um, with Hosea and Amos, um, but all the way down to the time of the Babylonian exile and right. after, so 500s, 400s, that kind of thing. Um, and the question is, why are they considered a collection and even written on run, one scroll? What I'd said in my reflection is like, Look, these 12 prophets, when they were later collected, actually fit on one scroll. And that's a big deal in ancient times, right? Because you're writing on scrolls, they're very expensive, mm-hmm. and you don't want to, like, you don't want to, whatever it's called. Yeah. Right? Yeah, you don't want to waste space on a scroll, but you also don't want to, like, go over and need to start a new scroll just for, another, like, a paragraph. Right. Um, and so... 
the short answer is uh, there's a lot of things we don't know about ancient history. And so we're working with very little evidence. Mm, um, sounds like but, a cop-out answer. No, I mean, <laughs> I, ha- I have answers. I'm just saying it's it's not like we've got... Um, we, we just need to be realistic about like what survives of writing from antiquity. Yeah. Um, now, we have the Dead Sea Scrolls, and that's a really big deal. Those are by far the oldest... Uh, collection of ancient Hebrew Bible manuscripts. And they date at their earliest to the 2nd century B.C. Um, so sometime between 2nd century B.C. and 1st century A.D. Got All it. the Dead Sea Scrolls kind of fit into that range. Um, and that's over a thousand years. No, it's about a thousand years earlier than our previously discovered complete Hebrew Bible. Okay. Which was medieval. Okay. Anyway, to get to the point, our early, <laughs> our earliest mention of the Book of the Twelve, or at least allusion to them as a collection, comes from Sirach, the Book of Sirach, mm. um, which is a late biblical book. It was written in Greek, late meaning getting closer to the time of Jesus. <laughs> right. Um, which is also just a little tidbit. I mean, Sirach is only in a Catholic Bible. Exactly. Because it was written in Greek, and that's a whole other topic yeah, yeah, we yeah. could get another into. Another topic. Email like, us if you have why, a question. Why Protestant Bibles only have sixty-six books, and Catholic Bibles have seventy-two? Um, but in Sirach chapter forty-nine, verse twelve, and whether or not you know somebody accepts this as scripture, it's a witness to antiquity, to like second, third century BC. Um, May the bones of the twelve prophets revive from where they lie. For they comforted the people of Jacob and delivered them with confident hope. So here we have an, an, a textual witness in the Bible or in this ancient writing right. called Sirach, which mentions the 12 prophets. Um, and so it's already assuming that this is a collection. Um, and then in the Dead Sea Scrolls, we have our earliest copies of the 12 prophets. Sometimes the order is a little bit different. The order that we're used to is Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi. Um, but sometimes, you know, in these Dead Sea Scrolls, which come from about the 2nd century BC, uh, not far off from the time that Sirach is being written, we have, uh, we have scrolls where all of these prophets are written, but like the most complete one... Um, is missing Hosea on the top and Malachi on the bottom. But the rest of them are in this order from the Masoretic text. Okay, I don't want to go too much further into that. Yeah. Um, but Yeah, if they have a personal follow-up, they can find your email. That's right. <laughs> your email on our website and uh, directly, But um, and I have nothing to add to this. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> um, awesome. Next question that came in. Uh, let's go sports one. So um, do you think college football will be canceled this year? And um, yeah, what do you think about that? Um, or what would you do with that sport? Um, I'm going to start this one. Um, I, I don't think it can be canceled in the sense like I think they'll figure out a way, whether that's playing in the spring Um it's very different than football, uh, pro football, in consideration of the revenue, everything they're going through, um, the major market TV, you know, deals and all of that. Yes, like certain networks have certain deals, but we're talking about really small schools, really big schools, like everybody in between compared to, 
you know, 30 NFL football teams or whatever number it is. USA Today said this. I wrote this down. Although schools would save by not having some expenses during the college football season, the net outcome would still amount to a loss of more than $3.3 billion reported by USA Today if there is no college football. And what people don't realize is, like, that funds all NCAA student athletes mm-hmm. in all, all sports. All the other sports. All the other sports. Like, we, we've got to figure figure out a way, obviously, with keeping people safe and all of that, and I'm fine with anybody opting out, but, you know, we got to figure out a way, whether it's the spring or whatever, so that a lot of these student athletes that are, are going to college, you know, for free can exactly. maintain their scholarship, you know? Um, so yeah. I'm all about figuring out a way if it is safe, it is all that I'm in a personal dilemma being a Notre Dame fan being, we're not in the conference and a lot of conferences have, you know, said we're only traveling within our conference. So what do you do with a team like that? That's a separate question, but I, I think they got to figure out a way. I don't think it's going to start in the fall though. That's mm-hmm. what my my heart says, and that is painful because we all love, you know, the in the north we would wait for the leaves to change. In Texas, we just wait for it to go from a hundred and ten to a hundred. But mm-hmm. you know, like we love the pageantry of college football and all of that, and so that's what I have to say. Yeah, nice word, pageantry. Yeah. Um, didn't the Ivies just announce that they aren't going to do anything in the fall? Nothing. Yeah. And it's like, okay, are are the the Ivies are a different story in terms of terms of money. Uh, yeah, I think also Harvard football. didn't they uh, didn't Harvard or Yale come out one of them and say even if we do online classes you have to pay the full tuition. <laughs> oh my gosh, <laughs> that's uh, such a beating. <laughs> yeah, um, but Ivy but, League is a different. But yeah, story, that's yeah. a like you know people could follow them on that. There is a path now uh, to follow where you're going to say, "Yep, we're we're canceling in the fall. We're not the first ones to do it." But the, yeah, I don't know. Um, my thoughts are similar. There's just too, mu- too much money involved. And it seems like with these things um, that when there's that kind of money at stake, yeah, people are going to, they're going to find a way. They're going to find a way. Yeah. Um, and I know the argument of the spring because I'm very much pro, okay, whatever people believe about, you know, herd immunity or vaccine or any of that stuff. But obviously we hear the closer we get to a new year, you know, 2021, hopefully the better we'll be looking at, you know, as a, as a, as a world, hopefully. Right. But I'm kind of like, why not? Like, yeah, we have no precedent. We've never gone through this pandemic before. So like, we don't have to do it like before why not wait till the spring? And people Mm -hmm. are like, well, run into, um, you know, the tournament and NCAA and what about this? Uh, But I'm like, if that's going to be what's, yeah, whatever. If that's going to be what's safest for, you know, athletes and people, we can't figure this out in the spring. I don't know. I'm sure there's smarter people that are like, well, there's a lot more reasons. And so like to hear from you for sure. But I mean, I I don't see how they cannot play. Yeah. And I kind of, I mean, I kind of like the idea of the spring just in the sense that it stretches out football further. (laughs) Like I never pay that much attention to college football because um, I only have so much time to give to football on the weekends. Really? You're not a big college football. 
Well, I just, I didn't grow up with it because I grew up out of the country, um, Bermuda, Bermuda, you know, that whole thing. Um, and so I, I like it from a distance, but I'm not like really deep in. I've never been to a college football game. You yeah, hear no. that, folks? Yeah, Joey's eyes just got really big. If you want to, if you, for anybody who wants to take prodigal and the priest <laughs> to a college football game. That's but right. yes, I've been to multiple college oh, football actually, games and it's amazing. True. Sorry, I went to UTA and M uh, like years and years ago, back when they were still, you know, Wait, rivals. Like, you know, you went to a University of Texas versus Texas A and M. Yeah, football it was game. huge. I completely forgot about that. But that was you just forgot about that type <laughs> of football game. Yeah, I one of the biggest there. rivalries ever. <laughs> I am yeah. in disbelief and shock right now. Please. <laughs> anyway, yeah, uh, we, it's been we, a while. It's like ten years ago. <laughs> all right, we're gonna move on to the next right. question. Um, let's go back. Faith, um, faith question. Here we go. This is an intriguing one. Um, what is one teaching of the church that maybe you struggle with at times or even is hard to explain to others? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You want to go? Maybe. Yeah, I'll, I'll go. I'll get kicked off with this. Um, so there are many teachings of the church that are hard to explain um, yes. at times. And that that's just because of the presuppositions of our modern culture, right? Like, all the teachings of the church fit together. They make sense together. Um, but when you're coming at them piecemeal and you're trying to reconcile them with like our cultural values, then they start to be like, why do you even believe in that? But, but one of them, like, so all the teachings on sexuality, for instance, um, in the church are very, <laughs> very just contrary to what the world teaches us about right. those things. Um, and so those don't make sense to a lot of people and it takes time to explain it because you have to explain with enough of sort of a, a robust framework that it makes sense in the context. Right. Really like the teachings of the church give life, um, especially in that area. But the, the one that I wanted to focus on a little bit more is actually the teaching of the atonement. I find that that's just always kind of a hard one to explain. So Um, for those who don't know, break down, break down atonement. Yeah. So we know, so like why did Jesus become man and then die for us on the cross, right? For salvation, right? To save us from our sins. Um, also as a manifestation of God's love for us. That one's easier to explain. That makes sense. God loved us so much that he sent his only son to die as a proof of love, right? John 3.16. John 3.16. Boom. Um, I only know that from sports. No, yeah. I'm kidding. <laughs> but... Um, like that side of it's easy to explain, but there is there's a real like theological um, question that's been going on for a long time, and it's got biblical roots about like Jesus paying back this debt that we have incurred, right? That that our sins like basically t- <laughs> incur this this debt that we cannot pay back. And we can use all sorts of analogies to get there, but it's just, I've always found that one a difficult one to explain, this like vicarious sacrifice, right? That Jesus as the innocent man uh, dying innocently, right? Perfectly obedient to the Father, pays back that debt perfectly that we have incurred through our own sins, such that we can participate in the salvation that he wins for us. All of that language, like it's familiar to us, but when you start pushing at it, it gets it gets harder to to really explain 
at the root. And it's not that I don't yeah. believe it. Like that's a, that's a central mystery of our faith. Right. Of course I believe it, but theology is faith that seeks understanding, right? That's the classical definition of what theology is. And so in a sense, whenever we grapple to understand what we already believe by faith, we're doing theology. And this particular question of theology, I think, requires a lot of grappling. Yeah. I struggle with why we like priests so much. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Um, One thing I was telling Father Paul before that I've always struggled with um, that people have a lot of questions on is, you know, there's four Marian dogmas, um, teachings of the church that we believe about Mary. Um, I believe all of them. I struggle to explain um, a lot on the teaching of the Immaculate Conception in regards to the fact that, um, okay, Mary was immaculately conceived um, without original sin. Mm-hmm. And a big reason that I've heard explained before, whether it's correct or not, is, well, she was going, you know, she was the God bearer. She was Theotokos. And so she would be without sin to carry Jesus, who was without sin. How does that not have to go the same truth to St. Anne? And then on and on and on, right? And so I'm sure there's a brilliant answer um, to that. Do you have one? It looks like I mean, you. It looks like you have one. Yeah. So there, there are some things that when we explain, this is actually a really helpful distinction in theology. There's arguments from necessity, and then there's arguments from fittingness. Um, mm. And often we don't make that distinction, and we approach these questions uh, like things that are revealed to us, right? That we know by faith um, that Christ has revealed to us or things that are necessary for the upholding of that revelation. Right. Um, But then when we start to try and understand it, we can come up with a good reason, um, but often those reasons are reasons of fittingness. It's right. right. This would be fitting, right, Um, if this were the case. It's not a a reason of like necessity. I said that word very drawn out. but not a reason of necessity. It could be no other way. And actually, I think that's a super helpful thing, zooming back from like the Immaculate Conception back to everything Everything. about our faith. There is a sense, right? Like God being all-powerful, he could have saved us in any way or not saved us or done whatever. Like there is no necessity with God. And so even, even the incarnation, right? God becoming man, yeah. And then the crucifixion and the resurrection. Like those God could have done it yeah, some other way. Yeah, why didn't we go like all Thanos on this and just snap our <laughs> fingers and but like the good snap? Yeah, like a good snap, like the Tony Tony Stark snap at the <laughs> end. Right. Hopefully everybody's seen oh, this gosh. and we're not ruining this movie. But really, um, yeah, like God yeah. like somebody could have snapped his finger by somebody, I mean God. And, um, and so when we say necessary having to do with these things, or when the scriptures use the language of necessity, it's necessary because God chose to act in this way, right? It's that kind of necessity. It's not the kind of necessity that, like, if I were God, would I have to do things like this, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so, I don't know, that distinction helps so much understand things that, that people can really struggle with in our faith, things like the Immaculate Conception, because right. it sounds like, why does it have to be this way? Why... Why couldn't it be another way? It could have been another way, but right. God chose to do it this way. Right. Um, yeah. And he chose to because it's fitting, right? right? And those are the reasons we're trying to to, yeah. te- to tease out. 
Yeah. So that's one. I mean, I think there's a lot around, which I'm not going to get into today, but um, there's some struggles there to explain and really um, the justice between different aspects of um, annulments and things like that. I think that gets very tricky. Um, yeah. And so, um, thank goodness I'm in youth ministry and I just come up with silly games for kids to play. So, um, but yeah, I, th- I think that uh, kind of answers that. Um, we can sponsor you to go study canon law if you want to <laughs> want to go that route. Like you personally sponsor me? Or I don't know, church? just we, this general we. I'm sure we <laughs> can take up a GoFundMe or something. <laughs> well, we got two Send more. Send Joey to Rome. <laughs> Send Joey to Rome. Just on like a trip, though, actually. No studying. Just like <laughs> eating gelato. Okay. Um, <laughs> um, two quick questions. Uh, one faith, one just general uh, funny life question. So um, we'll keep on the faith path. Uh, just favorite book in scripture? The Psalms. Straight Psalms. up. Mm. They're, they're the... Sorry, let me explain yeah, a little bit. Please go why I'm thinking. Um, they're the... Uh, the prayer book of the Bible. The Bible is the inspired word of God, right? And so is like a serious prayer book. But within that, like the Psalms are a collection of prayers. And so uh, in the life of a priest and of consecrated religious, right? Nuns and stuff. um, And also other people who just want to get involved in this. Like there's something called the Liturgy of the Hours or the Breviary, uh, where basically you're praying the Psalms at certain points throughout the day. And you work your way through all the psalms on this cycle. Um, it takes a certain you know amount of time. Um, four week cycle is the, the the modern liturgy of the hours, right? And that means that over the the ten, twelve, whatever years I've been in this since joining seminary, I've been praying through the psalms just on a loop, and it's awesome. It does this. It has this like formative value for the way that you pray. And then when you start to thinking about like how Jesus himself prayed the Psalms, and we know mm. that from Scripture, right? Right. Um, uh, John, was it seventeen, eighteen? Right at the end of the Last Supper. Sounds discourses, right from my experience. They, they went across the Kidron Valley like singing Psalms. They're singing mm. the the Hallel Psalms at the end of of like a Passover meal, basically. Right. Um, Psalms of ascent. Um. So anyway, but when you think about Jesus, who is the word of God incarnate, right? Um, praying the Psalms, yeah. which are also the word of God. Um, it's just awesome. And they're great because they they're go the through all the emotions. Yeah. Yeah. They cover the full range of human emotion. So like you can the always, high, the always low, find the something in there. Yeah, exactly. Some of them can be kind of shocking. And then you're like, yeah, okay, that's plumbing the depths of human emotion right there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, they're awesome. Psalms are great. Um, I'm going to go, oh, man. I it, This is almost an impossible question for me. Uh, there's so many. Uh, like, I, I love, actually, the book of Sirach. I love um, Genesis. Um, then I love the Gospel of John or the... Book of Judges. <laughs> no, nah, I'm not a big Judges fan. I like Judges. Um... Gosh. Yeah, can I just say like the writings of St. Paul and that encompasses like what, 13 books? <laughs> yeah, just because we have to move on. Yeah, we have to. <laughs> but just just read the scriptures, you yeah. know, um, and especially the Old Testament, I would say. I think many people are like, forget the Old Testament, but it's like, no, there's a, there's greatness. So, 
Okay. Last but not least, very serious question. Ready? I'm ready. Would you ever get a tattoo? And if so, what would it be? No, but <laughs> if I did, <laughs> um, a buddy of mine got a tattoo of the Jerusalem cross from like in Jerusalem using a stamp that had been in use. Um, like the, the stamp that you, I guess you stamp it and then they tattoo. I don't know how it works, but it's a real tattoo. Okay. Um, uh, it had been in use for 800 years or something. Um, it's kind of cool. Um, and then the guy will like, there's part of it that's broken. Um, mm. and so he'll, he'll freehand it if you want, or he'll leave it broken if you want. Um, I just thought that was a pretty cool tattoo. I would never get a tattoo. Oh, the other thing I would get maybe is like, you literally just said, I would never get a tattoo, but maybe, yeah. <laughs> but if I were to, okay. Um, like I always thought tat sleeves were kind of cool. Um, yes, but I would do like, like garden of Eden slash Solomon's temple type tat sleeve, like Solomon's temple, what? right? The, the temple, when you look at the decorations, if you look at the books of, uh, Samuel and Kings, okay. first, first Kings, um, when you look at the decorations, it's very intentionally meant to uh, conjure up the imagery of the Garden of Eden, like paradise imagery. That's what it is because it's the dwelling place of God. And so there's this there's this really beautiful parallelism between the creation narrative in Genesis with the structure and the imagery of it and also the building of the tabernacle in the desert and also the building of the temple. All um, this on a tattoo. <laughs> Well, no, no, no. All of those things have the same themes. They're playing off each other. Right. And I think, and so like the interior of the temple was meant to make you think of a paradise garden because this is the place where God dwells. And since we are the temples of God, right? Right. If I were ever to get a tattoo, no, it's a subjunctive. Um, if I were, I'm not going to. I don't care for him. Um, I think it would be kind of cool to like play off that temple imagery um, with like, going big floral basically big floral to uh to conjure up imagery of the garden of eden paradise the new creation that's what it points to now nice it's not just paradise lost and then you would just literally do bicep curls all day so you could like show off like the full sleeve yeah obviously um some people Sorry, that was a long answer for i would never get a tattoo yeah um i have thought about it um at times I want to, for sure. Um, mine are way less theological. Um, <laughs> I've thought of like, yeah, an arm sleeve, that would be cool. Um, also a lot of money and painful, so probably not. But They're really um, expensive, right? Oh, yeah. Okay. Really expensive. Um, okay. I've... Everybody's going to judge me, but that's fine. Okay. So I've always wanted, if I was to get a tattoo, I would get a tattoo on kind of like my collarbone area of my, like of my wife's like lip print. So I (laughs) I would have her like put on lipstick and like, I don't know, I guess like kiss a piece of paper Mm -hmm. and then get the tattoo artist to replicate that. Um, when I shared this with my wife, I thought we were as close to divorce as we've ever, um, (laughs) been, um, she, 
she freaked out so that's probably why i'll never get it but i just thought i would share that um so yeah I, i'm kind of just like man something forever i think some like that like get the wedding band tattooed on that's kind of cool mm. or like you know a, a loved one you know has passed away like i can see different things so i i'm i'm very intrigued by it and at times i've been like yeah but then I'm like, eh, do I want to spend the money? Mm-hmm. Probably not. Maybe like a skull, like memento mori kind of thing. Mm, remember your remember death. Remember your death. Yeah. So that was the last deep question. We have a ton more, um, but we're going to save obviously some. And hopefully, like I said, if you have any questions, please reach out to us on social media through our Gmail account to prodigalandthepriest at gmail.com or on our website, uh, St. Anne Parish dot org slash ptp so um on behalf of uh myself joey scansella and father paul i want to say take care and god bless